Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen? Amen. Welcome, everybody, that's coming to my beautiful home for Gospel Saving Church on Sunday mornings here in McKinney, Texas. And I want to welcome everybody that's coming from SoundCloud or uh, Sermon Cloud or wherever you're coming from. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you've joined us. And I hope you are refreshed today to hear the word of the Lord. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, I'm going to be praying for the service, and then I'll give the I'll give the uh, well, we'll read the passage, and we'll go over some stuff, and we'll get going. So, if you guys want to join me, thank you so much, King of Heaven and Earth, for bringing us all here today. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your Word. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your interpretation of your Word. Lord, uh, thank you so much that we get to know what your Word means, Lord, that you revealed it. That you reveal it to us, Lord. That you help us understand it. Lord, for it's your desire for people to understand what you're saying. Because if we don't understand what you're saying, Lord, then how can we know what you want? And if we don't know what you want, then how could we come to you? How would we know the way to come to you? So, Lord, thank you that your desire is that we understand. So that we can come to you. Lord, and we can you know, know how to come to you. And we can you know, come to you in the correct way. I just pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would enlighten us all today, Lord, and teach us. Teach us the proper way. Teach us what you're saying, Lord. Always help us to understand. Holy Spirit, you be our teacher. And you be our instructor today, Lord. I just pray that you'd fill me with your words of wisdom. And that anybody that will ever listen to this message, Lord, would understand what you're saying completely, Lord, and be moved by your Holy Spirit. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would be here today and to anyone that's ever going to listen to this message, Lord God, for salvation and for the calling of the saints, Lord, to do your will. We love you and praise you, dear God. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So if you guys want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 16 today for our study. But first, before we do, as I have been doing for a while now, my thoughts from last week's sermon. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It is really sad, you know, Jesus' words in Matthew 19, 23 through 30, that it's harder You know, it's really that hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Most rich people, not all of course, but most rich people idolize their money and their money is their God. Okay? And I really, if that's you, or I really ask you to search yourself if that's you, I really ask you to take the words of Christ in Matthew 19, 23-30 to heart. And I, I pray that you repent of your wealth, and your rich is being your worship and being your God. Please don't serve that money. Repent towards God and put your faith in Jesus Christ and follow Him. The money is just a means. It's just something that we just have to have while we're here on this earth. It does not have to rule you. The money is just, just there. Okay. But I don't want anyone out there that's in the middle or poorer classes that may not be rich and may not be wealthy. I don't want anyone else that's listening to this message be deceived into thinking that, well, since I'm not rich and, you know, I'm not wealthy, you know, getting to heaven will be easy for me. 
Many people, especially a large majority of people in our world today, especially in America, believe that they will go to heaven, and it's an easy thing to do. You know, many people in our world today, you know, I'm a pretty good person and all, so, you know, when the day comes and I, you know, die, I'll go stand before God, and, you know, I've done pretty good in my life, so God will just let me in. Well, that is a, a deception of the devil. It's actually a pandemic that's going on in our world, especially in America today, that heaven is just this place that just most everybody goes to, and, you know, it's 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 okay, you know, just as long as you're a good person and you you know you follow some type of religion, because you know all all religion is really the same anyway. They all just you know have a peaceful kind of tone about them. But that's not the case, and that's a deception from the devil. And here's why: if getting to heaven were an easy thing to do, and the majority of the world's people were getting into heaven. Jesus would not have said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So did you notice there? The many will be going to destruction... And there'll be few that find life. Notice it said that there are few who find life. There are few who find it. That's because to be looking for life, you need to be searching. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. Okay, so it's not an easy thing to do. And the majority of people that have ever lived will be in hell. And the minority of people that have ever lived will be in heaven. So heaven is not just an easy place that just the majority of the world gets to go because Jesus said it wasn't because not a lot of people are looking. So please, since that's so sad, all that news is so sad. I hate to open up the sermon on such a sad note, but know what God wants. God wants you and me and everybody that's ever lived, even though they didn't and many people haven't. He wants us to surrender our lives to Christ. And God, from our hearts, not just something that we haphazardly do with one quick prayer once in our lives. Okay, I prayed that prayer. I'm okay. I'm good. My ticket's been stamped. I'm ready to go. God says, surrender to me. Give me your life. I want to be the one that's in control because you're not really doing that good of a job anyway. And follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and make him your Lord on a daily basis. And that's what God wants. Very simple. The Bible's very clear on that. So please, if you're not there, make that decision because God doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. So on to our this week's message. We've got a lot to cover, so we're going to get going pretty quick. My intro, God wanted me to keep it very short because we have a lot of verses to cover. and We have a lot of information to cover. So if you guys want to, if you're not over there, turn to Matthew chapter 20. And I'm going to read one verses 1 through 16. The title of our sermon today The last will be first, and the first last. It's actually a verse right out of our section. God many times gives me the title of our sermon right out of the section that we're reading. Again, this is this is chapter 20, verse 16. That's where our title comes from. But let me read it. You guys can follow along or just listen along, whatever you'd like. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. Jesus is speaking here. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. 
Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. And so they went. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day? But he, the landowner, answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? That would, that Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or is your eye evil because I am good? So, the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. So now, what is Jesus saying to us? I wrote this in my overview for the sermon that I post online. And this is something we have to be be very careful about. Now, I didn't put it in my sermon, but it's just just ad lib. It's okay. In, In Scripture, we have certain Scripture that it's, Thus saith the Lord. Jesus says, this is what it is, this is my teaching, so on and so forth, take it or leave it, there you go. Well, here today we have just a parable, okay? And a parable, again, remember, is not a literal event that actually happened, but a a physical picture of, or a physical idea of a spiritual picture. So in our parable today, we do not get an interpretation from Jesus, so what I'm going to be doing is and I'm going to be going around the Bible and I'm going to be showing you different things and what the Bible says to show you what this text actually means. Because it's just the parable stands alone as it is. There's no interpretation. You could say, what in the world is Jesus saying? Well, here we're going to talk about it. I'm going to tell you what Jesus is saying. So although starting out, although the contextual meaning of The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And our previous section was describing wealthy, the wealthy being the last, you know, remember, if at all, to get to heaven. And the not wealthy being the first, or the more likely candidates for heaven, to be able to enter God's kingdom. This statement has another meaning like we read today. So to explain this whole idea to us of the last to be first and the first last, Jesus gives us this entire parable as, again, a picture of something, you know, of of a spiritual truth of God's kingdom. So let's dissect this parable and see just what exactly Jesus is saying about the last shall be first and the first last. As I said earlier, Jesus doesn't give the interpretation, so I will be referencing other scriptures, 
other similar ideas in scriptures to help us with the understanding. So what does Jesus say to us? Verse 1, look at it now. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. What, what does that mean? What, what is Jesus saying to us? By other parables, by other teachings that Jesus has given us, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that the landowner is God, okay, and the vineyard is his world. Because we see a landowner there, and he has a vineyard, and he needs work done in it, okay? Also, David writes of God in Psalms 24.1, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So the world is God's. And notice there's a landowner and it's his vineyard. Well, God is the landowner and the vineyard is his world. Or you could say his church that's in his world. Okay, that's the first thing I see. What's the second thing I see? I see that God is hiring workers to go to work in his world or his vineyard. Okay, We know this to be that God is raising up Christian workers okay, or his redeemed children, those that he saved, to work in his world to build his church. That's the ideal goal of every Christian servant as the Bible is goes towards God's kingdom for God's church. Okay, there's no individual out there. There's no I in team. There's no I in kingdom. It's a great, you know, God's church is what he's trying to build here on this earth. So how do we know this? How do we know that this is God raising up and commissioning his children to work for him in his vineyard? Jesus says to his disciples, Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Well, what's he talking about? Again, he's talking about the world, and there's a harvest of souls that has to be won. God wants to go out and win souls for the kingdom of heaven. Okay? And he needs workers that he needs to commission, laborers okay, that need to go out and do this work. Not that he couldn't have just done it another way, but this is the way he chose to do it. God could just appear in the sky every day and say, hey, come to me right now, I'm God, follow me. But he doesn't choose to do it that way because there's an aspect of faith that God expects us to exercise. So the way God chooses to do it is he chooses to commission workers to go out into the field, out into the mission field, out into his vineyard, and work and build his church, build his kingdom, to call people to Christ, to call people to him. Okay, So this parable is how God sees his commissioning of his children to work in his world to build his church. But that's not the only picture of this that Jesus gives us in this parable. There's another major point that Christ makes here. We're going to get to that. Read verse 2. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So here, God agrees with these first laborers, or his redeemed that he commissions, for a certain wage or denarius, or you could say really a denarius was a penny. So he makes a, he makes a deal. He says, okay, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you. With a wage, here, here's your wage every day. Go out here now and go to work for me. So the Bible also does say elsewhere that God does reward his children. 
He does pay his children or reward his children for their service. You say, where? How do we know? What do you mean God pays his children? Yes, that's true. The Bible talks about this elsewhere. Matthew 6, 1, Jesus says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Notice that if we do charitable deeds the right way, then we get a reward or a, you know, a wage from God to do what, you know, do it the right way. Also, Matthew 6:20 Jesus says, "But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal." What, store up your treasures in heaven. I, I I just have physical things here. What what is he talking about? He's talking about if you serve me, I'll give you a wage. That'll be your treasure that you can store up in heaven. Okay, so the Bible talks about God commissioning his children to do his work and also paying them a spiritual, you'd say, amount of money or amount of spiritual money to do that work. There's a powerful note we got to break off on here before I go forth with the powerful point Christ is making. Here's the powerful note. We talked about this last week. Bible says God calls and draws people to Christ. Because if God didn't, nobody gets saved. So we know God's calling and drawing everybody to Christ. Then once he draws us to him, as we, if we take the bait and we latch on and we go toward God and we, and we respond, then what, he do, what does he do? We respond to him, then he saves us. Because we can't save ourselves. We talked about that last week, May week four. And then we see here that God not only does those things, but he also commissions us to work for him. And then, hold on now, he compensates us with spiritual finances for the work that we do. What? Are you serious? Realistically, the way I see it, we should have to serve God for nothing. He has the right to just call us into his service because he gives us eternal life and he has the right to pay us nothing. Yet, as Jesus says here, as those other things we just looked at, those other verses, yet he compensates his children with spiritual riches for the work that they do. That's amazing. And, and people have the gall to say that God is not righteous and God is not fair because look at all the evil in the world. Like he's the one that makes all the evil happen. Well, that's a teaching straight from the pit of hell. Because all throughout scripture, you read that God is good and that he gives and he's constantly giving and he's drawing and he's calling and he's loving people. And here we see again, he not only calls us, not only draws us, not only saves us, then he commissions us and he pays us for the work that we do. God is more fair than anyone that you know, including yourself. He's more fair and he's more righteous and he's more just and he's more loving and forgiving and giving than any one of us and all of us put together. All right. Anyway, I could go and talk on that all day long, but we got to move on. I just had that powerful point to make because to me, you know, how we see God in the proper light is important. Because if we don't see him in a proper light and we listen to the world and we listen to the devil, then we won't ever come to God because the world and the devil makes God out to be this evil kind of character. But yet in the Bible, we don't see that. We see this loving, charitable, giving, wonderful maker that cares about us so much. So anyway, I could talk about it all day long, but let's move on. We have more to study. Let's push forward toward the other major point that Jesus is making in our parable. Read verse 3. 
So, verse 2, he goes out, hires these laborers, sends them into his vineyard. Verse 3, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. So the first people got hired by God in the first part of the day. These second people got hired by God or the landowner in the third hour of the day. Bible says here that they were standing idle in the marketplace. So how do we see that? Well, God needs more workers because the harvest is plentiful. Remember, the workers are few, Matthew 9. So he goes out a little later in the day, third hour, to the marketplace, okay, to commission some more Christians to go out and do some more kingdom-building work. So what does he do? He sees some standing idle in the marketplace, and verse 4, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. So he sends them out to work with the promise of wages for their work. Again, awesome. Always God compensating us for something he even told us to do. That's awesome. I just love it. Now notice another little aside here. Notice God's redeemed, because these are God's Christian soldiers. God, these are God's redeemed, okay? Notice that God's redeemed here are idle. Now wait a minute. You might say, Pastor Ed, idleness is bad. I mean, I, I've heard of idleness in the Bible. I've heard other people talking about idleness, preaching on idleness. And, and idleness is never a good thing. Well, you're right. Biblically, idleness is considered as an evil thing. But in this case, I don't see this idleness as being evil because. Look at the type of idleness that they are here. Look at the description the Bible gives us here in verse 3. It says, And he went out about the third hour and saw their standing idle in the marketplace. So they weren't idle sitting on their couch. They were idle standing in the marketplace. What were they doing in the marketplace? Well, a marketplace is a place where all kinds of business was done. That was one of the definitions. And that's where also this labor, this landowner or God knew to get these laborers, okay? Well, what they were doing in the marketplace as they were standing idle is they were waiting to be hired, Okay, so this wasn't just an idleness like I'm going to sit on the couch and make faith confessions all day long and pray, you know, oh, oh, God, uh, I need a million dollars. Please uh, send it down and put it in my lap. No, there they were idle, which meant they were standing around waiting to be hired. Okay, you could say the same around here. What we have in Plano, we have what they call the blue house. And here in McKinney, where I live, we have this place off of Highway 5 or McDonald Street where these people stand, whether homeless or whatever, but they stand there and they stand there all day long. And what what people know is, is as they drive by, you know it because you hear it and it's around everywhere. These people are waiting to be hired. So contractors drive around, you know, and they know these are the places that they go to get these workers because they're going to be there waiting for work. And as they drive around, they see them there, they pull up and they say, come on, I got a day's wage for you. I got some, and they're called day laborers. Well, here in the marketplace, these people were standing idle, waiting to be hired. And how do I know that another way? How do, how do I know that outside of those assumptions that I just made? Well, God is not going to hire someone that's lazy or just idle to do his kingdom work. That goes against his word and that goes against his character. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 13, 12. Jesus says, For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. 
but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Translation, if you're lazy and idle, even what you have will be stripped away from you. God will take everything away from you. But yet if you're working, if you're being diligent, if you're being responsible, then God will add more responsibility to you. That's like that in my own family. In my own family, I have children. And my youngest boy right now, we gave him some chores when he was younger. And as he was faithful with those chores and he did them and we learned him up and we trained him and he did those well, then what happened is we gave him some more. Some more responsibility meant some more pay. That's just kind of how it works in life. If you're responsible, you get more responsibility. If you're you know, a degenerate and you're not responsible at all, then what you have, the responsibility that you have is going to be stripped away from you. So here, these people, these Christians are standing idle in the marketplace waiting to be hired. Christians, there's some important personal application to be made here. Are you waiting for God to hire you and put you to service for his kingdom, but he hasn't yet? Well, my question to you is, have you really been idle, not even wanting to serve, sitting on your couch, and so on and so forth? That's not the way the Bible says to do it. Get yourself ready and wait patiently in readiness. By prayer, meditation, and meditation and serving in the marketplace. Also, there's another definition for marketplace. It was, deci- it was, de- it was defined as a meeting place or a place, uh, you know, a gathering place, which could also be interpreted as a, a church. Okay, be ready in the marketplace in your own church for any needs that your own church has, and just be faithful with just little things that you see around you. You know, you see what do they say? Uh, See a need, fill a need, right? If you see something that you need, fill it. You don't have to be called. God doesn't have to hold up a big banner and say, okay, Christian, this is what I need you to do. No, he's going to say, are you going to be waiting patiently? Are you going to be idle working, waiting on me, listening to me, and then I'll come and hire you? Because God wants to hire workers, and we'll talk about that later. Jesus said that God will come. We just don't know what hour that he'll come in. I kind of think of it like this. God will come and hire you when he sees that you're really ready and that you're prepared enough to go. Anyway, moving on. Verse 5. Read verse 5 with me. Again, this landowner goes out about the sixth and ninth hour, and he did likewise. So what do we read? Same MO. Same mode of operation. He just waited a little later in the day. Sixth and ninth hour and commission some more patient, prepared, ready servants to do his kingdom work. Verse 6. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. There's that word again. Well, I'm going to show you that in a second. And he said to them, why have you been standing here all day? So the eleventh hour, the last hour of the day, he goes out and finds some more patient, prepared, ready servants and asks them a question. He says, why have you been standing here idle? Well, well, why? I mean, you've you've not been doing anything all day. Uh, You've not worked for me all day long. What is their answer? Verse 7, this shines a light on what I said earlier. They said, and because no one hired us. Notice they were waiting in readiness to be hired the whole day. So what does God do? Verse 7, he said to them, you also go out into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So you see, they were waiting, even though they were idle, idle not getting busy doing too many things, but being idle waiting 
for God or the landowner or somebody to hire them. Now, important premise that we must make, an important foundation that I must lay before we move forward, okay, that'll help us with understanding the points that Jesus is making here. We see people here getting commissioned to work for God, for his kingdom work, all throughout the day. Okay, some at the start of the day, some at the third hour of the day, others at the sixth hour of the day, some at the ninth, some at the eleventh, so on and so forth. What does this mean? What is this day, scripturally? Okay, because, I mean, a day is a day. Is it a 24-hour day? Is it a time period? Well, the day, scripturally, means, the interpretation of the day here, means the time period in between Jesus' ministry, when he was called to go to ministry, when he was 30, until he comes back to judge the world and destroy everything and make a new heavens and a new earth. The redeemed being called to serve God at the various times of the day can either represent, scripturally you can find this, can either represent the lifetime of a saved person that's called to serve, whether at the age of 8 till they're 80, or whether they're called at 80, to the age of, you know, 90 or 85, okay? So some are called at a young age. God sees that some are ready to serve him at a young age. So he calls some at a young age, and then they serve him their whole lives. Some are not ready until they're older. So then God calls them at 80. And God says here, I'm going to call them all different times of the day. Other thing it could mean, or it could mean both, really, This redeemed being called to serve God at various times of the day can also represent the time period that started when God uh, has been calling his children to do his kingdom work. Example, God called his children in the first century to work for him after Christ left. Okay, God called Christians right away and he said, serve me here, serve me now. But God's also still been calling people in 2014 and people in 2014 are still coming to God and they're still serving God. So we have people called at the beginning of the day, you could say the beginning of the, you know, the, the, the time when Christ died and left. And then you got people being called now at, toward the end of the day, what we'll call it. This foundation is vital to understanding the meaning of last first and first last. I will explain. I'll show you the scripture references to support these points in a bit. Let's move on. Verse 8. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. So what do we see? Evening has come. Or you could say the end of the age has come. And the landowner or God says, Hey, Called the steward, it's time to pay the workers. Get, gather them all up, it's time to pay the workers. And of course, God gives his servants their reward for their service to him after death. Or when? At the end of the age. Here's some scripture to show you. Isaiah 40.10, speaking of the new age, speaking of Christ coming back, speaking of God coming back, this is the the end of the world, this is the new heavens are coming, the old is going to be passed away, okay? Behold, Isaiah says 40.10, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him okay so at the end of the age the servants of god will get their eternal rewards for their faithfulness and their service unto god but according to jesus here in verse 8 the last hired which is a bit under you know we don't understand that what our understanding of our human wisdom okay 
the last hired or commissioned to do God's work will receive their reward first. This is the start of Jesus' major point to this whole parable. So, whether we were commissioned by God to serve him at 8 for 80 years, or at 80 for 10 years, or whether you were a Christian commissioned by God to serve you in the first century, or you were a Christian commissioned by God to serve you in 2014, let's say the end of the age is tomorrow, then what Jesus said is, according to him, the last to be called, which would be those of us today that were called today, will be the first to receive our reward than those that were even serving God from the first century or that maybe they were uh, you know, 10 years old and they got called to serve when it was 19-something or other and then they've been serving God you know, 50 or 80 years. And the last will get their reward by God first. That's what Jesus said here in our text here. And that may be riling you, and that's okay, because it's kind of hard to understand. Wait a minute, in the flesh, oh, okay, we'll get to that later, okay? Read verse 9. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. Well, that is exactly what God said, that I'll pay the ones that he hired in the first part of the day. So those hired last each received a denarius or a full day's wage, okay? Despite their being called to service at the end of their lives, or you could say those that were called at the end of the age. I told you earlier, isn't God so generous? He certainly is. I always see God as so generous in Scripture. And those people, man, praise God. Verse 10. But when the first came, they supposed they would receive more. And they likewise received each a denarius. Okay? Notice some things before we go into the final points that Christ is making here. Notice here also that the one called later to serve in life, and not early in life, or served recently and not in the, you know, and not in the beginning of age, received the same daily wage. That's important. So whether the guy was serving in the first century and he's been dead for almost 2,000 years, or whether the guy is called today, they each received the same amount of money from God, and, they, and then the last two were also paid first. That's important. Remember that. Also notice that the first hired saw the last hired and the reward of the last hired. So they each saw one another get their reward. What does this tell us in Scripture? Remember I told you I'd back up some of those things that I said earlier with Scripture about the day and being the end of the day and so on and so forth. Well, what it shows me is that all the laborers saw one another get the wage. Well, how can I see? We live in 2014. If God were to come back today... Okay, or tomorrow, how could I see the Christian that served God from the first century getting his wage? Unless this means that each received, that, that each redeemed is going to receive their wages or rewards together while standing with one another. There's some more biblical support right there of the night being the end of the age. Also, look at 1 Thessalonians 4 16 and 17. Look at when God comes back to gather us all together. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay, so those that have gone before, they're going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them 
in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. So we're all standing there. We're all going to be caught up together. And we're all going to receive our reward at the end of the age together. Whether a Christian served first century or whether a Christian served 2014, we're all going to receive our wage together and we're all going to be standing together and we're going to watch one another get paid by God. Isn't that awesome? But now in in verse 10, Jesus tells us that those who were hired first uh, thought they were going to receive a greater wage, but they each just received one denarius like those hired last. Important note here. The amount being the same is key. But remember that the amount could differ in likeness, okay? Revelation chapter 2 and 3 tells each child of God that overcomes that they're going to receive a different type of wage. But in value, Jesus says here that the amount will be the same. So whether you're serving God now or whether you're serving God 2,000 years ago, your amount's going to be the same. God's going to give you the same amount of money, same amount of reward, and just the last is going to get it first, and you guys are going to all get paid together, okay? So, what did the first called to service do? The ones that serve God longer, or firstly in the age. Read verse 11. Let's talk about what they said. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner. So they actually, now imagine this. All any any of you that are serving God in your lives, we're all standing there in a row and God's rewarding us all for all the work that we've ever done for him. And then you got these guys here first. They've been, you know, you know in their life that they got saved when they were, you know, whatever it was, 15, 20 years old. And they served God 70 years until they were 90. And then at the age of 90, they died. And then they, you know, they went to heaven and now they waited on the reward, but then now here's the end of the age. And now some guy got saved and he got saved at, at, you know, the age of 80. And he only served God two years. And so you're standing there and you only served God two years and you're just happy to get there. Because, man, you got saved and you just were so happy to get saved. You just want to serve God and you only served God for two years. But, you know, this guy over here, wow, he must be way more honored by God because, man, he served God 80 years. He, he served God longer longer than I was ever even, you know, Practically as long as I was alive. And yet, to your surprise, you, only serving God two years, got the same wage as the guy that served God 80 years. Well, then the guys that came first are like, hey, Lord, what's going on? Hey, I served you my whole, my whole life, and, and I knew that guy. And, and then that guy, he, he got saved, and he, he only started serving you for two years. And Lord, I served you my whole life. What's up, Lord? What's up, Lord? Yes, people will be complaining at the reward time. Christians, this is not the way you act when the time comes that God gives you your wages. It's so sad to see here that the children of God will still complain against them, even at the end of the age when he's giving you your wage. Christians, just be happy. If you're listening to this message and you've been serving God 30 years and you know, yes, oh well, okay, so what? That's the way God does it. Christians, be glad that God even decides to give you your wages at all. What is their complaint here? What will their complaints be? Because if Jesus said it's, it's a parable and it's a spiritual picture, and it, so it's going to happen. So obviously there's going to be people that aren't listening to this message and they're going to complain against God because they never heard me tell them not to. Okay, so what's their complaint? Read verse 12. So they said to the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour. 
and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. Now, from a human standpoint, from a human perspective, I can absolutely see what they're saying. I served you first, hey, in the beginning of the age. There was more risk to me serving you. I served you when nobody believed in you. God, I served Jesus Christ when, when you died and you left and there was nobody who served you. I was one of the first converts. I died for you, Lord. I, I can see their point. Or you could be, they could be saying, I served you from, from, my, from my youth to 80 years old till I died. Well, this other fellow, he only served you from 80, maybe a couple years. I can see their point. From a human perspective, this makes sense. But from God's perspective, not so much. He doesn't see it that way. Look at how God responds to him in verse 13. But he, the landowner of God, answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? So God makes some points. You really can't argue with him because he's always right, as we see in here. Notice if you're doubting, because I was initially, that this is actually a real Christian. Notice what the landowner or God calls him. Notice verse 13 here, he calls him friend. Well, we know by scripture that God does not call his enemies friends. So we know these to be servants of God, like Christians, well, would be Christians, because God's not going to call a Satanist his friend, until that Satanist turns to God, and then, of course, God will call him his friend, okay? So, since God calls these people his friends, then we know, contextually, that these are Christians really complaining against God. So, keep that in mind as we look at what else God tells him. Second, God says, am I doing any wrong? Have I done anything wrong, friend? It was my wages... Or they, the money, the finances, that are the, the blessings that I'm giving you now are mine. And can I not choose to give them in the way I want to whomever I want to? And, and is he not right? You agreed to pay what, you, what, what I paid you. So I paid you what I owed you. And so what right do you have to say, you know, what, what can I not do with what I want, with what I, what, that's mine. So God's always right. You can't ever argue with him. And I know I, sk- I skipped ahead there. We'll just skim over then. But he also says, take what is yours and, and go your way. I wish to give to the last man the same as I, I wish to give to you. He says, be happy. Be happy with what I gave you, Christian. Be happy with what I gave you. Okay. Because if I wish to pay this last guy the same as I paid you, you have no right to tell me what I can, what I can and cannot do. Verse fifteen, he says the same thing. Is it not lawful? God's always God always operates by the book. You'll notice that in scripture. God always operates by the book legally. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Okay, by legal right, I can do with whatever I have that's mine. I can do whatever I want with it. And if I so choose to give the last man the same as I gave you, then that's what I choose to do. And you don't have a greedy eye. Look at here, verse 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? 
Well, Jesus, remember, even talked to Peter, which was a very great disciple and apostle. You know, get behind me, Satan. So God, yes, is still going to talk to us this way, even in the end of the age, even when we're standing before him, getting our rewards. So don't you have an evil eye or a greedy eye, Christian, he says, because I am good and I am generous. And he finishes off with 16, verse 16. He says, the last will be first, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Please understand here, something important to note. If you haven't gotten it so far, I've kind of been alluding to it, the whole message, but now we're going to bring it home. Please understand that God is not going to, not going to do this, or he's not doing this because he's mean or unjust, okay? He's always fair and righteous and more generous than we deserve. Here's the big point Jesus is making. In God's eyes, if you had been called the servant because he found you waiting in the marketplace, ready, getting prepared with the heart of, I want to serve you, God. Or, as God was wondering in Isaiah 6, 8, whom shall I send and whom shall go for us? God is speaking out and Isaiah hears this call and he cries out, here I am, send me. If you've had this cry, if you've had this calling, God's chosen you for service, then God does not see, no matter when you were called into service, God does not play favorites. He sees all of you the same and desires to reward all of those that answer his call to service and are faithful with that calling. He desires to reward you all the same. Simply the end, the biggest point that Jesus was trying to make. And probably just one reason, one big reason, because also verse 16, many are called, but few are chosen. He closes with those words. Now God is in need of workers for his harvest. Remember Matthew 9:38. If it wasn't so, Jesus wouldn't have told us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and pray to God for more. Okay? If God had enough workers to work in his kingdom, to work in his vineyard, then he wouldn't have told us to pray to God for more. Okay? So he needs more workers for his vineyard. So he's calling many to work for him. But, you see, few will be chosen to serve him because either they didn't want to serve him or they're seriously being lazy and care only about being idle and they're not waiting in the marketplace. They're not waiting in preparedness. They're not waiting to be hired wherever they are in life. Serving God just in small ways, just looking for just any little thing that needs to be done in their local church or any guy that needs to be supported from Gospel for Asia or whatever, okay? So using the terminology of Christ here with the last thing he says, God continues to go to the marketplaces to look for workers for his harvest. But there are none waiting in preparedness for him to call them to work in his harvest who have a heart to serve God. So, the last shall be first and the first last. God wants to make all those who served him an 
equal in their wages for serving him. Who are we to question him with what he does with what's his? According to Christ, the last will be first and the first will be last to receive their wages from God for the things done in the flesh while working for him in his vineyard and will receive the same wages all of us together. Why does God decide to do it this way? We, we can't really challenge him because he's always right. No matter what he does, we can't challenge him because he's always right. But why, why do you think, have you been thinking about this? Because I was, so God gave it to me. He showed this to me. Why would you think God would decide to do it this way? Why would he decide to pay the last first and the first last? And why would he decide to give the last the same as he gave the first? Well, I believe, scripturally, I believe that he does it this way for at least one big reason. There may be more, but at least for this one big, big, big reason. You see, the idea of knowing that God will give all of us who have served him the same wages sure does keep us humble. Wouldn't you agree? I mean... Anybody that's a Christian is going to be reading the Bible and they're going to be reading these passages and they're going to be reading, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I've served God 80 years and, and this other dude served God for two years, then we're going to get the same wage? What is that? That, that tells me as a servant of God, hey, God loves us all. We're all equal in his eyes. It humbles me and helps me not get puffed up. Okay, when you know that God doesn't play favorites with those who serve him, you know it's kind of like, well, then I, I'm not, I don't have to get prideful about this. Hey, I serve God just like the other guy. I don't have to look at that other guy and say, turn my nose up at him and say, oh, that guy's about to die. He only served God for two years. Oh, look at me. I've, I've served God for 60 years. Ah, see, I'm better than him. I know this for sure. People, even God's called servants, sure have a tendency to be prideful. Humility is not something that comes natural to human beings, is it? And the Bible says God is humble and wants us to walk in humility. Even Isaiah 57, 15, he says, For thus is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. You see, so God wants to keep us humble so as that, look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. He says, and at least I be exalted above measure. That means at least I be puffed up and so prideful and arrogant by the abundance of the revelations you know, say that God gave me. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. God allowed this to happen to Paul so that he would stay humble. Paul was a very mighty man of God. Paul served God in a mighty, mighty, mighty way, and God used Paul in a mighty, 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 mighty way for his kingdom. Very easily, when God's using you that much, it's real easy to turn your nose up at the other guy who's not serving God as much, but he is serving God. And maybe he hasn't called to the size ministry that you have been called to serve God. But yet, look at here. 
lest he be exalted above measure, God even gave him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him, lest he become prideful. So God wants us to walk in humility, walk in being humble. Being called to serve God, especially at a young age, especially if God decides to give you a huge ministry, okay, can definitely give a person a large ego. But God doesn't want any of his servants to walk around with spiritual pride. What happens when you're prideful? What happens when you're arrogant? Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So I at least know one major reason that God's saying here, I'm going to honor all my servants, no matter how great you think they are, no matter how little you think they are, I'm going to honor them with the same wage, both the ones that are the Billy Grahams and the ones that are the little prayer warriors sitting in the church and they're praying for God. God's called them to a prayer ministry and they sit in a very small church and all they, what they, God's called them to do is pray. Well, God's going to give us all the same wage and all the playing field to be leveled. And so that way none of us can be humble and exalted. And even if we start to get that way, we got to remember, hey, wait a minute. Since God's called us all, he's going to give us all the same wage. Whether I'm Billy Graham or the small little prayer warrior, God sees us all the same. and He's going to honor us all the same. Isn't that awesome? God's fair, isn't he? He's just. And he cares about us. He cares about man- mankind so much. He wants to save people so badly. And he wants to commission many into his service. i got to pick on that last verse here for just a moment. Is God calling you into his service? And if you just been and you just haven't been getting yourself ready, have you never felt God to call you into a ministry, into serving Him? Well, that's because you haven't been getting yourself ready. Christians, you need to get yourself ready for God to call you. Get yourself prepared. Be praying, God, I want you to use me. God, please use me. I want to be used by you. How can I serve you? And then just look for anything that needs to be done in the church you're in and say, you know, what can I do? What can I do in the church? I mean, I just want to serve you, God. Hey, my church needs this. Oh, hey, my church needs somebody to to say hello to people in the morning. Well, that's nothing of a ministry. Oh, wait a minute. If God's calling you to service, whether you're the door greeter at a church or whether you're the preacher, God's going to pay you all the same. You got to get yourself ready. And God will hire you. And God will pay you. even compensate you for the work that he's going to give you. His harvest is truly plentiful. There are so many that need to be saved. But his workers are very, very, very few. So few people are willing to let God hire them. So few Christians aren't really ready for God to hire them. But remember... God loves humility and wants to hire you to serve him, to reach out to others with his message. Christians, let these words sink in. For many are called, but few are chosen. If God's calling you right now to service to him for his kingdom, you got to take up the call and go. You can't sit there and you can't sit there and stay in the marketplace. You gotta pick up the mantle and you gotta go. If you don't feel God calling you at all, God wants to call you. He's he's speaking through me right now. God wants to call you. Go. 
Get yourself ready and get out there and be prepared. Be in readiness to serve God, whether it be little or whether it be great. Serve God and get yourself ready and he will call you. He'll come, whether it's the beginning of the day, the third, sixth, ninth, or eleventh hours, God's going to call you. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your heart. I see your heart. For God, your word says that you desire none to perish and all to come to repentance. And you chose to do this, Lord. You chose to do this work, this work of salvation by using mankind. Lord, I just pray that anybody listen to this message, Lord God, that they would get ready. Lord God, that they would get prepared. And Lord God, because you want to hire people for your service, for your vineyard, to go out and work in your harvest. And I pray, dear God, that you would be able to go to the marketplaces and you'd be able to find those waiting for you to, to call them, to call them to service, to hire them. Lord, I just pray that you would commission even some through this message. I pray, dear God, please commission some through this message. Lord, call them and draw them to work for you. And I pray that some would listen to this message and realize I'm not getting prepared. I've not been prepared. I've been complaining that God won't use me. But then again, I'm not even asking to be used or I'm not even getting prepared for use by finding just little things and being in the marketplace and being ready. Lord, I pray, please, speak to them through my mouth and draw them to service. Draw them to the service of your mighty kingdom, Lord, and use them to win the loss for Christ. We love you and we praise you, dear God. And we thank you. And all these things, we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.